welcome back to another episode of Reptile and Chill. That was pants, mate. I just... It's... Oh, mate. It's, we're recording a podcast on a fucking Saturday night. What are you doing to me? <laughs> mate, Saturday night. What are you doing? I could record it any time. It was you who chose Saturday night. And um, I think this is a first. I don't think we've ever recorded a podcast on a Saturday night. It's... it's I've got no words. Just, Do you know what? It's quite nice because I'm thinking, yeah, I can have a couple of beers tonight um, and I haven't got to worry about work, but it's like Saturday night. So. Now, no, seriously, um, right, I'll just explain my situation right now. Right, so I'm trying to be sensible. I'm trying to behave myself. I'm drinking Pepsi Max, right? There's no alcohol in- involved at all this end. That's the first. We've ordered a takeaway. It's arrived. I can smell it. No, the other the other half eating ass, and <laughs> I, I'm not happy, mate. My chicken jar fries is not in my mouth. Do you know what? It's funny you say that. I'm actually cooking uh, an Indian from scratch tonight. So literally, like onions in the pan, bit of garlic, uh, sweat them down, add the spices, yes, yes, yes. blend them up to make your, yes. your actual. Yeah, and then that's what Uncle Ben did, and then you pour it out of the jar no, into the pan. No, 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 no. Uh, that's what I usually do. Yeah, I usually yeah, get yeah, probably yeah, a couple yeah, of sauces, yeah. but this time I've actually blended up the onion with the spices to make the sauce. Put the mushrooms in. It's a mushroom curry and tonight, by, mate. By, by any chance, did your granddad give you the recipe? <sighs> I need to talk about him in a little while. I think we need to hold that thought and get the guest yeah. in on this because I think he's going to be yeah, very but, much interested. But before how, we do, I've yeah. got a bone to pick you. Oh, so, like, I know you was getting a little bit jealous about the whole Harry Hawk thing <laughs> and, and uh, like. And, uh, you know, you felt a little bit left out. But, mate, if you're going to sort of, like, come back at me, I was expecting a golden eagle, not <laughs> fucking budgie. <laughs> oh, let, let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> so, all right, I went down the allotment on Wednesday and I was just doing a bit of, you know, weeding and bits and pieces and got some sweet corn. And then I put the sweet corn in the, in the basket, carried it to the car, come back to go and get my, you know, other bits and pieces. And there's a, a bloke on the allotment called Roger. He's quite a friendly fellow. He's always always talking. And we're sitting there, you know, we're nattering. And I said, right, okay, I'll see you later. You know, I might be down on Sunday. And then this budgie just lands on my compost heap. Just... <laughs> like, like, it was just flying free and just landed yeah, next yeah, to Yeah, it you. Just, just landed there. And he went... Do you reckon you can catch it? I thought, like, I don't know. I'll give it a go. And I literally just walked up to the budgie. It was like, I don't know, two metres maybe. Not even quick, full hoss mode, Snorlax. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't run quick. I couldn't, I couldn't quick. Be, look, this, this just shows you how fucked up, the, oh, sorry, how badly injured the budgie was. Because I literally, hoss speed, just went yoink. Got it. And what did you do? Just literally put your hand over it and pick it up? Mate, as if I was picking a pint up. Oh, like, what just, a shame. So then it goes absolute spastic on me and bites me about 200 times. My, uh, uh, they, don't, they don't bring up blood, but they bloody hurt. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's part of the parrot family, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, no, it's nowhere to... on my hand. And I'm like... Well, legally, I can't let this budgie go now, can I? 
<laughs> you know you're not allowed to, but no. it's funny because if somebody else had picked it up, it would have been super calm. But yeah, it's because 100%, it realised it was fine with you picking it up, and then it went, that's hoss. <laughs> so then I'm walking around the allotments trying to find someone who's got a cardboard box or something for me to put this budgie in, which at first I was thinking, I'm literally going to have to drive all the way home one-handed with this budgie in my hand. Eventually <laughs> we found a cardboard box and I put it in it. And then I rang the missus up and I was like, um, good or bad news? She's like, yeah. um, well, I have the bad news first. I said, well... You know, you asked me to get some milk. I haven't got my wallet on me, so I can't get the milk. She's like, right, okay. What's the good news? I was like, we've got a new pet. <laughs> She's like, you've been to the allotments. What possibly could you have from the allotments? If, like, if, if, you, if you caught a hedgehog or something, I was like, no, no, no. I've caught a budgie. Well, you can imagine. She was like, get lost. Get lost. What? Yeah. So... I've got this budgie in a box. I'm driving home. I'm like, right, okay, I need a cage. I need food. Um, not that I've ever kept a budgie before in my life. Um, pet shops don't stock cages these days. It's an ordering basis. Okay. So eventually I went to, um, oh, what's it called? Um, in King Standing. King Standing, yeah, yeah, on the, on the corner. Garden uh, and Pet Supplies or something like so, that. Some, something like that. It has got a, a name, a surname. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, anyway, so they had an old cage from when they used to stop budgies and stuff. So I bought that off him for cheap. Cheap, cheap. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, so it's now sitting in... Mate's behind me. Um, it's, it's not... quiet. It's not in good nick, mate. What a shame. So so any thoughts on has it been out, let out, you know, has it well, been out in the water for a while? Has well, it been... it's incredibly thin. Yeah. Um, it's got... Right, I've bathed it now and whatnot, but it had, like, blood on its feathers underneath the wings, so it looks like it's been attacked by other birds or something. Which is, yeah, which, which is what happens, uh, isn't it? It's got scaly mite on its legs and beak. Um, okay. Which is, which is treatable. We can, we can yeah. sort that, and I've already, you know, we're, we're doing that now. Um, is that like a cream that you put on the legs? It's like, it's like a spot-on, like a flea treatment. Oh, OK, um, yeah. So hopefully that does what it needs to do. If not, then we're going to have to um, possibly get it up the vets. But saying that, um, it's quiet now because it's quite dark in the room. Um, if I turn the lights on, um, he, he, goes, he goes bonkers, or she goes bonkers. She. Yeah, it's a hen, isn't it? Yeah, so... Uh, we're, so, we're... Oh. so you've now got... I mean, that's your story. Obviously, I'm going to stick to mine, thinking you just got a little bit jealous when and stole yeah, somebody's went to budget. At home and put up. So if you do live in the Birmingham area and you've lost, lost the budget <laughs> and the window was broken in your room, it's probably uh, it's probably Hoss that's got in there and, and so, stole it. And um, anyone want to guess? Well, Mike, would you like to guess what I've called the budget? Um. I'm hoping it's going to be sort of like a proper traditional budgie name. I think so. It's an old bird. Go on. Babs. As in, like, Barbara. Yes, Babs. yes! Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, Good man. So, so, um... I've got a question for you. No, you can't feed it to your Harris Hawk. So, you did this to me. Do you know what the scientific name is for budgie? Um, Budgerigari emphis uh, cicata. No, no, I don't. No, you know, no, I don't. I don't. Do you? Uh, off the top of my head, I think it's something like uh, Melopsitacus undulatus, something it, like that. 
Bing on. If you're fucking correct, I swear to God, mate. Budgie. Google, Google, Google. I'm surprised you hadn't done that as I was Mel- asking you. Melopsitus uh, undulatus. Melopsitacus undulatus. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. We, you know what really uh, found, oh, well, I didn't understand at all? <laughs> now, I thought a budgie regar and a parakeet, two different things, they're not, are they? Um, I, I, do you know what? I didn't know, but now you've said that, they are very, very similar. Obviously, parakeet, a lot bigger. But um, is it just a sort of like a subspecies? So it's kind of like... Um, it's a, well, I'll read it off here. It's a seed-eating parrot, usually nicknamed the budgie, or or in American English, the parakeet. Ah, uh, no, but it's <clears throat> what we would call a parakeet over here um, is different to a, what we would call a budgerigar. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, so if you look at, up the scientific name for a parakeet, mm-hmm. go on, I bet it's not... Melopsitarchus undulatus. Um, da, 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 da. Come on, give it me, give it me. Funny you say that. I actually took a photo of a parakeet the other day. Well, isn't there a big colony or herd or flock or whatever herd. it is? <laughs> <laughs> um, Did you just call them a herd of parrots? I don't know what it is, but isn't there like a massive like, group of them in London? Flock. And so... Um, they sort of like started to establish from either escaped animals down in uh, down in the south, but um, they yeah they they they've come up north now. So I mean, Samwell Valley. If you if you go there, you'll see a lot of them. Um, a, a lot of places around the Midlands now have got them. They're, they're gradually edging the way north. Um, so yeah, they're, they're now becoming quite common to see, which is unbelievable. It's like, oh my word, there's a green sort of white parrot. <laughs> yeah, and the just... noise—you can tell them by the noise. They, I think they sound like a car alarm. I do. Yeah, so I've, I've got to admit, like I'm, I'm quite chuffed to be honest. Um, I like birds. Um, I'd have preferred it if it was a lovebird. That'd have been better. I've got a bit of a soft spot for lovebirds. Um, yeah. But you know. I'm quite, I mean, um, it's the old traditional, the old traditional budgie, isn't it? Yeah, the blue, it's a blue coloured one as well, isn't it? But it's she's she's quite sweet. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll obviously I'll keep you guys updated. Uh, well, I'm hoping she pulls through because I spent a bloody fortune on the cage and everything there. Um, good man. But yeah, um, we're, we're all good. If anyone has any advice on, well, just yeah, just tell me what I need to do. Because just well, I, my advice to you was give it to somebody else, and then it won't attack it. Attack it. Uh, it. It will. It will sit on my finger without biting me. We've made progress. Oh, cool. yeah, yeah, you give it a day or two. Yeah, and then it'll go through Everyone my throat. Everyone, take your head off. <laughs> okay. Um, so, have you got anything before, else that you want to yeah, like? I've got another bone to pick with you just before we get the guest on. Okay. Cool. Um, I needed a new computer for, for work. Obviously, I've set up by myself now. Look, look, um, look, look, I'm going to stop you there. It's not my fault, you stupid. Well, let me explain the story. <laughs> so, because I've set me up, I was worried that, because I've sort of like got one home computer and I'm doing my work on that, I just had horrible visions of my kids sort of like deleting all my 
<laughs> all the work stuff that's took me so long to sort of like put together and, and set up and that I'm currently working on. And uh, so I thought, right, I'm going to get another computer. And you advised me to get an Apple Mac. And um, they're sh- absolutely, they're shocking. <laughs> I've worked I've worked on Windows computers for about or, or yeah computer, Windows computers for about twenty years now. Yeah, but I, d- I did say to you though, once you get your head round it, yeah, you'll I never know. go back. And I know that is it's, it's alien and things are all different. It's like, it's the same thing between going from an iPhone to an Android. Yeah, like, but honest, honest to God, so the way I, you save things all different, the way you put your documents, it's just. Yeah, but but honest to God, the the performance of it, especially the model that you've gone for, mate, it yeah. is so superior. Um, I personally would stick with it. I know I know you've got a few issues at the moment, but again, <laughs> well, I'm glad I spoke to you today because I was like, Hus, everybody I work with, they're all on Windows computers. Everything they send me through, there's a lot of Word, Excel documents, and then when I'm bringing them up on the uh, on the screen, they're all out of sync, and I'm I don't know how to and, correct it. It's like, what have, you, uh, what the, have yeah. you have you downloaded um, Microsoft Office? And I was like, well, no, they're, they're it's standard on my. On my on Windows computers, it's like, yeah, you want to uh, you want to download Microsoft Office on your computer. I've done that this afternoon, mate. I opened up the documents. I was like, oh yeah, they look just like yeah. <laughs> just like I, they I, do on the other computer. Honest, honest to God, like there's there's so many things that I used to do before, and then like now I try, and I oh, just, you know, when you're doing something on a, on a Windows and it's just having none of it. Yes. So you won't have that ever again now? No, I know. I know I know. there's loads of pros. Um, it's just getting my head around everything, uh, and it's hard. It's like 20 years of using one type of software, uh, and obviously it updates each year, but you get used to those little updates, and then all of a sudden totally change into something, yeah. and it is totally different. It's like having to learn all over again. But you're not, you're not the best part about you having an Apple Mac now? What? You can record the podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then we, I can sack you, oh. <laughs> bring then, in somebody and then, else. And then I can go on holiday. Yes. <laughs> right, so uh-huh. before we get the guest on, I need to do my me, uh, me usual nonsense. Uh-huh. Um, so if you are still listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, um, if you do, you're crazy. Um, but you can help support us by going onto our website, which is www.reptileandjewel.com. We've got some merchandise on there. We've got hoodies, T-shirts, hats, and all of the things. If you want to take it that step further, you can go onto our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash reptileandchill. And our social media is YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the handle of Reptile and Chill. And can I just say something really, really important? We're recording this on Saturday, the 10th yes, of October. Is, It'll come out Monday. It's Mental Health um, Day, mate. It's World Mental Health Day today. And obviously, we're a massive advocate of mental health. Um, so Papyrus is the charity that we're supporting this year. There is a link, I believe, Hoss, on when yeah, we yeah. put out all the podcasts, there's a link on there. Get on there, guys, and 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 give us a little give it a yeah. little donate. I think it was either last week's podcast or the week before that I did mention that, you know, we're in this weird time at the moment and I don't want to mm-hmm. harp on about it because well, we're all getting really sick of it. Um but there are a lot of people out there that aren't 
able to be as social. They're not allowed to see their friends or family. You know, I'm in a local lockdown. Mike lives two minutes from my house and he isn't. Um, yeah. You know, and it's it's all a bit cack at the moment. So if you do notice one of your friends or family not being their usual self, they haven't been in touch for a while, drop them a call and just make sure they are okay. And equally as well, that if you feel a little bit isolated and secluded yourself... Drop someone a message, you know, either me or Mike or anyone in the community. Just put a message on the community group. That's fine. Just, you know, look after yeah, yourself and I look mean, after everyone as well. We're not under any illusion that when you are feeling like that, that, you, you know, you're likely to message out. But it's more of a, if you know somebody um, and you haven't spoken to them for a little while and, or, and you usually do and all of a sudden they've gone off the radar, um just give them a little shout and just uh just make sure uh that they're doing okay right and so on that note ready to get the guest on absolutely can't wait so tonight we are super excited aren't we hoss not really now it's <laughs> do you know what i know why you're not excited because he's in a better band than yours he's not even in his own band <laughs> the guy the guys that unimaginative he has to make it the biggest is the, they're one of the biggest metal bands ever i know let's make a tribute band to them they're still going <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> Do you know what though? Um, they, they are you, good though. They are really they good. Are, they are good. I love the name of the tribute band. Um, they're obviously um, northeast uh, <laughs> band, so it's a Slipknot tribute band, isn't it? And uh, they're called Slipknot. But before we sort of like start going on into everything, let's introduce our guest tonight, who is the lovely Craig Strawbridge. Welcome to the show, mate. Hey guys, thanks very much for having us. He's a cool dude, isn't he? He's got like yeah. the hair, he's got the guitar. I haven't got the hair, like, that's got. He's on. I'm just going to say yeah. how, how it is, right? Being brutally honest, right? He had the long hair and he cut it off, hipster, right? Plays guitar in a band, hipster. He probably likes coffee, hipster. And he's got a Sony camera, hipster. Well, <laughs> now you put it like that. No, and, I'll never admit to that. <laughs> and he's an ecologist, definitely hipster. Uh, oh, I don't even maybe know I'm what a hipster cool. means. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I'm just cool. <laughs> Hoss just loves hipsters. Well, oh, mem- I think he just wants <laughs> to be one. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I'm unique, damn it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Craig, he's on about buying a Fuji. Camera, he's definitely trying to be a hipster, mate. No, I'm yeah. trying to be different. That's not, not. <laughs> nah, so is the way forward, mate. So yeah. is the way forward. We make all your senses, Craig. <laughs> uh, <laughs> before we start, mate, it's quite bizarre, really. Um, so, um, how we met, uh, was I was over Middleton Lakes, which isn't that far from me. I go over there, um, with my camera, uh, do some photography over there. I'm walking around in the week um, and I see a guy and I can always tell people who are looking for reptiles because usually they've got the binoculars looking at, you know, other people are looking out at the water, up in the air, this, that and the other. But Craig had his head down and I'm going, hmm, he's not looking for, for birds or anything like that. And I could just tell just the way he was, was looking around. And then he turned around and he's got a snake on his top and I'm like, oh, 
got to go and talk to this guy. So <laughs> I sort of like headed off towards him and we had a little chat and we were sort of like talking and I was saying what you do and he was telling me sort of like he's an ecologist and he, he comes to these places, likes to find grass snakes and um, he does some adder surveys and things like that. And I said, oh, wow. I said, uh, I find that really interesting. I said, I do a podcast called Reptile and Journey. He went, no way. I listened to it. I said, anyway, long story short, he's going, my friend Steve Elaine, he was on the show and we had a probably, we was probably having a good old half an hour chat. Um, and then fair play to him. I said, I've never seen any grass snakes on this site. And he went, yeah, come with me. We'll, we'll go and have a little look. And, and Craig took me around to this one location and, and, and literally, lo and behold, he lifted up a mat and, and there was a little juvenile male uh, grass snake and it absolutely made my day. And it was just an absolute pure, like, chance coincidence that we just met at that, that moment in time. So Yeah, it was awesome, that was. Really, really yeah. nice. I'm really glad to have found one for you. Like, really, yeah. Really glad. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember seeing them when I was young, but I haven't seen them for years. And, and it's one of the things I even put a post up saying, look, I'm, I'm desperate to get out and see uh, a grass snake. I've seen plenty of adders over the last couple of years, but uh, but I was super, super chuffed that you, you managed to find one for me. So thanks for that, Greg. No problem. At all. But, I mean, that, that's the thing for me. I mean, that's, finding grass snakes is really special for me anyway. Um, but like up north where I live, um, they are currently presumed to be extinct in the entire like Eric northeast area from the Scottish borders down to sort of North Yorkshire way. Yeah, but this. So, I mean, th- just to interrupt a little bit because this this story gets a little bit weirder as well, doesn't it? Does, it does, yeah. It does. <laughs> so, so not only did these guys like get to talk, and you know they knew, obviously Craig knew reptile and chill. But the funny thing is, is that they both follow each other's own only fan accounts. No, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my only fan. <laughs> yeah, so that's supposed to be secret. Shut. <laughs> yeah, how's she not allowed to mention that? Yeah, yeah. I'm not editing it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we actually uh, follow each other on uh, on Instagram. Um, Craig is an absolutely phenom- phenomenal uh, photographer. Um, he's, takes he's, them. he's all right, mate. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, you know, there's, there's definitely some other people who we both know mutually where we sort of go, whoa, those shots yeah. are absolutely ridiculous. I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not being funny, right? But me, me and Mark were talking about this, but he's not really a photographer, is he? He's using a Sony camera. Oh, nah. mate. Chris Wilson yeah. will, like, tear you apart. Well, for that, that that's, that's what I'm hoping, to be honest. I'm... Hey, what, what's wrong with Sony? Sony's absolutely awesome, mate. No, it's, it's yeah. to- so, Sony's totally fine. I just don't like Chris Wilson. Oh, are you just trying to have a little backhanded <laughs> pop at Chris? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I like it when he's angry. <laughs> He's, he's, he's a, a good-looking man. I can't help it. But you saying that the, the story goes even further... Um, we sort of like I said to you, look, I've met this guy, Craig. Um, he listens to the show. He's an ecologist. He does loads of work um, with regard to conservation and and like, uh, work with adders and and uh, grass snakes. We've got to have him on. So I invited him into a group. You two start talking. Then went, ah, is in a band. And then Hoss, you 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 know Craig from from yeah. Play- so God, this was going probably back. Four, five years ago, maybe. It's got to be about four or five years. So, 
We headlined a gig at Scruffy Murphy's. No, we didn't headline the gig. We were supposed to headline the gig, but then you guys butted in because bastards. Uh, um, I told yeah, you just, there was better than you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, what, what, it, what it was actually, if I remember correctly with the promoter, is that he wanted us to provide the backline, but then you guys turned up and had a backline. And because there's so many of you and all the equipment and everything, it was just a, okay, cool, wicked. We'll do that. I do distinctly remember, like, unloading into that bar and just thinking, holy crap, like, all of our equipment just (laughs) fills the bar. Never mind getting us on stage and people in. (laughs) So you you can imagine. So the drummer thinks he's Joey Jordison. Um, You know, I mean, massive drum kit. You've got all the other, you know, bits and pieces and beer can, you know, the beer killer things and... Ah, oh, but, but what a show, man. And, like, you, you, all, you all dress up the part. And, yeah, so we actually played together four or five years yeah. ago, which is just, like, mental. How bizarre. It's just insane how small the world is as well. Yeah, it's just insane. It was a good yeah. gig as well, I remember. It was yeah, a good so weekend. Scruffy Murphy's is one of those venues. It's an absolute shithole. It's small. Yeah, that's what you want from a rock bar. Yeah, man, it's that got a sticky floor. A the, the beer's yeah. cheap. Um, and you know what? I, th- I think we've been quite fortunate to play at a lot of different venues, a lot of the O2 academies, all the big productions, and all that. It's still my favourite gig. That that venue is. I love it. Yeah, I love little small venues like that. Sometimes I prefer them to some of the bigger ones because, like, we believe it or not, we've actually played in places smaller than Scruffy Murphy's. Right. I don't know how, and but but like, yeah, I just prefer them because the crowd is just right there and. When you have all the antics which we have, so like our the clown and the DJ in particular, you always set up, set up like to have a bit of a, a fight on stage to well, know, well, early on, 1990s stuff. On about fights, there's something that happened that night that I don't think you guys might not be aware about. Aware of? Even. Might might not know know nothing about. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm not aware of anything. Right. So, whilst you guys were on stage, I don't know if you noticed, but by the bar there was a little group of outlaws, little uh, bikers. Just be careful, Hoss. <laughs> no, this, this is good. Be very, very careful so, what you're saying. No, this is fine. So there was a guy trying to get in, and he was drunk, and well, just wanted to come in, listen to bands, and just didn't understand that he had to pay. Yeah. Right. And he started kicking off, and there was a bit of a scuffle with the owner and Paul at the door. And whilst you guys are on stage, these three outlaws just disappear and just drag this guy upstairs. Mm-hmm. And and obviously, <laughs> right. vacated him. him out. Vacated Take him. him out. Well, no, they vacated him from the premises. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, they just come back down and kind of like as if it was just like, huh? What? What just happened? Um, <laughs> yeah, I do not recall any of that. No, no, I've it, certainly seen some sights when I've been on the road. I can certainly say that. But uh, yeah, I don't recall any of that. But yeah, no, there are the three. Well, there's quite a few outlaws that do go into that pub, and the, the three that were there, they they come to a lot of our shows, um, and it was just quite funny. It was just like just the typical, just let the bikers deal with it. It was, uh, <laughs> and and so they did. Right. Okay, yeah. So where where are we going to start this? Because there's there's so much to talk about. Oh, hang on a second. He's all going all robotic on me. Bear with me. He's. Oh. If you turn the dial quicker, here. mate. Put your yeah. hand clock, if you're up the northeast, mate, you're gonna have to pedal a little bit faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, up here, <laughs> we're just starting to realize what internet is. 
<laughs> can you can We're you hear us now loud and clear, mate? Or yeah, yeah, I've okay? got you now. Good man, good yeah, man, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good uh, stuff. So we can to start this off. Obviously, we've gone off on sort of like bands and how we all got to know each other. But um, and I know you're going to do you, you're doing some cool stuff and you, you've got some cool odds observa- You've done some cool ob- observations and and whatnot. But I think mm-hmm. we should go back to right back, as you say, Hoss, um, about a little bit about um, Craig's experience or how he got to it's sort of like into wildlife and 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 reptiles in general. Yeah, so I mean, for me, I mean, I've I've always, even from a from a kid, I've always been interested in wildlife. I, I just don't remember, like you know, going around. Particularly, if, I blame my, my granddad for this, to be honest, because every time we used to go around to his, instead of sticking on like kids shows, it would always be like National Geographic and stuff. And then, um, of course, when I was younger, um, Steve Irwin was a big thing, and I used to love, love, love watching the bloke, um, and. I think again, that's the reason why I'm so fascinated with reptiles. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I grew up watching this guy who was just completely like so overly enthusiastic about him. I mean, now as adults, you look at it and you go, yeah, okay, maybe his techniques, you know, grabbing a snake and dangling it in front of the camera, it's definitely not what you could just say. Yeah, agree. Yeah, anything you agree with. Yeah. Um, I, I would never do anything like that myself. In fact, when it comes to going out and seeing all my yeah, doing all my photography and when I'm out with others as well I was trying to encourage you know no disturbance um mm-hmm. but yeah. you know at the time that sort of enthusiasm whether, whether we deny it or not you know that's inspired a lot of people including myself that's that's solely where my my love of reptiles has come from 100 um yeah, and it's, um, from there, you know I just you, you're thought, just saying that sorry just to butt in there Craig you know and and a lot yep. of these people, and we know a couple of people that are, are working on the TV, and they do have to play up to the TV so that they can get out there. Um, otherwise, they'll just like literally cut the cut the series or pull the pull the program. And and yeah, of I mean, it, I mean, Steve Irwin is absolutely a fantastic guy, and you know we've got to look at although some of the methods he used probably wasn't the best methods, you know, if you want to go down that, you know, route of sort of like saying, well, he shouldn't have done this and shouldn't have that. But what he did do, he captulated the audience and he got that yeah. many people thinking about reptiles yeah. in a yeah. totally yeah, I th- different I think, way. I think, I think and, being and that's com- the most important thing, really. I think, yeah. yeah, I think being completely honest, mate, if it weren't for Steve Irwin, I probably wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast right now. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, yeah. And 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 how many guests have we had? You know, come on. Especially when I say the younger guests, and I mean sort of like you know your age group from the thirties, um, uh, around about that age group. You know, the, he was the main man at the time and got so many people passionate about reptiles and caring about them, as opposed to these yeah, horrible. Um, Hundred yeah, percent. He just had a wary people as well, didn't he? He was approachable. He was entertaining. He was a little bit goofy, you know what I mean. And he was just easy to he was, watch. He was like a very overexcited child, I thought. Um, very much like an overexcited child, but in a really good way. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, never mind that. I take away everything else which he's done as well. So I mean, like you know, the amount of land that he bought in Australia and in, in order to turn into nature reserves. Yeah. You know, on top of everything, you know that you know, hat off to the bloke. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So it wasn't just an act in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, incredible. I understand. Sometimes you've got to play up. To, so you've got to sometimes like play up to the camera, as you as you said, um, like because um, otherwise, you know, I mean, if we were to do say a piece like what a big TV show, and I was going to go around and see a lot of adders, it would be a lot of snakes just curled up in a ball like hi, I'm yeah. a snake. There's one over <laughs> there. Okay, take a photo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. look at the patterning. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. Walk away. Yeah, it's yeah, not that yeah. exciting, but yeah, it's it's a fine, it's a real fine line to tread, isn't it? Making it entertainment, yeah, but also educational and also well, have the, the welfare of the animal at, at the heart if as you, well. If you look at Simon and Susie with snakes in the city, like if you take yeah, venomous handling, I'm not sure I really like actually. Yeah, so if you take venomous handling <laughs> yeah. and simplest. You move quickly, get it, there's no drama, there's no nothing, and you get it in the bag. It's not fun, and it's not entertaining to watch, you know. But Mm -hmm. for them to have that TV series, which has allowed them to educate absolutely thousands of people and has potentially saved lives with them explaining that we don't need to kill these animals and that you can call out for people to come, you know, to, to, to remove them, you know, by adding that little bit of drama, making it exciting and, you know, put potentially putting their lives at risk to put this message across. They've helped a lot of people, and it's made good TV. Whether, you know, a lot of people moan about it, but I think what they've tried to do is is, is phenomenal. Yeah. I think yeah, it's hard I to agree. understand unless you've been on that side of things. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. Let, so, uh, so I'm, let's I'm get back to you, Craig. And what, sorry? Yeah, yeah so... I've seen. I'm a big fan of their show as well. I do. I've, yeah. I've, I watch that quite religiously. So, yeah, it's good. good. And again, it's it's just it's it's a, it's a great show. Again, just showing. Well, again, display displaying some of Africa's like some snake, snake species which you've never really seen on TV before. Uh, now, like I can't think of anything else which has featured things like night adders. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's yeah, it's cracking. So yeah, fair play to them. But um, yeah, so back up to me. Um, I spent a lot of time um, going around. Initially, my, my degree and everything I did was all in music. And I was, I was initially going to spend my time as a musician or a music producer, so I record music and so on. Um, long story short, there was a lot of stuff happening to me, and I, it was forced to almost like a career change. And I had to sit and think, well, what else do I like? And I've always enjoyed wildlife. I've always enjoyed hiking, going out, and and all that sort of stuff. So um, I managed to find it was a Northeast Reptile and Amphibian Group, which is, you know, a subsidiary of, of uh, ARG UK, the Amphibian yeah. Reptile Groups UK. And um, I got in there and I said, you know, I'd love to come out and find some reptiles. I'd love to contribute and just help out in any way possible. And there was a really nice guy called Ian Bradley, who I, I consider a very good friend now. Uh, who's also really, really clued up on on especially UK native reptiles. Yeah. Um, he offered to take me out. Uh, we went out and about, and then, you know, on that first day, we spotted something like 15 adders. It was just, wow. yeah, and that was it. I was just hooked from then. So I've got some, my... There's something special about, um, in the UK especially, when you go out, and spot because you don't get that many of them when you actually find especially an adder and you and, and you see it there and it's like wow there's a there's a snake that's actually wild it, it, it's a real funny feeling i don't know if you felt that as well craig oh absolutely it was like again almost childlike sort of excitement at seeing them 
Um, it's just, again, it, not many people realise what we have over here, especially like in terms of wildlife. The amount of people who still, these days, when I say, oh, yeah, we've got snakes in this area, they go, we don't have snakes in the UK. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they are, they're, they're, they're so hard to spot. And people out there who think these, you know, especially adders are going to come out and bite them, you know, as you well know, uh, Craig, you know, you spend hours and hours looking for them in the right locations and sometimes oh. you re- they're really hard to spot. Yeah, m- remember that in your the, our local park and you, you was, um, oh, what was it now? That woman put that sign up. Someone's dog got bit by an adder or something. And yeah. that, that lady put that sign up on the park saying... Um, yeah, beware, there is adders in this location. They are just coming out of hibernation and they are full of venom. They will kill your dog. And I was like, just rip that sign down. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, just never, yeah, I, I can think of an example up here where I don't know if anything actually came of it, but, um, yeah, we had a similar thing in Durham a couple of years back where a dog got bit. Someone put a sign up in as revenge. Someone went up and they killed about four or five of them. Ah, oh, so. Yeah. So, you know, these are people walking their dogs off the lead in an area which is, you know, we haven't got many sort of like adder habitats throughout the UK. There are massively on the decline. And uh, it's the adder's fault when a giant dog in in their eyes comes to attack them. Well, it's just Uh, like it's the difference between native and non-native species. Dogs are not native and it's roaming around a field, not on a lead, messing up a native's environment. You know what I mean? It's just like... It's like with even anything. then, it even you... then, I wouldn't blame a dog. I wouldn't necessarily blame a dog. No, no, no. no it's it's a... Yeah, it's, it's human error. It's completely human error. Yeah, we, you know, we should be yeah. more responsible. And I think when we are, you know, developing sites and stuff, which I think, you know, we do need to develop countries. You know, there's more and more people being born, and you know, it's kind of the way of the world is going, unfortunately. Um, but mm-hmm. when we are doing that, we need to make sure that when we're giving just as much as we're taking. You know, there was um, who's we talking to, Mike, and. It was on about that new uh, building development place and there was a complaint that there was adders all over the roads and paths and stuff. Um, and what they'd actually done was they'd built the housing estate on adder's territory. The adders yeah, had it... moved away when they were disturbed, but then when it all settled down, they came back and all the homeowners were complaining. <laughs> yeah, oh, it wasn't geez. actually me. That was one of our guests that was. Yeah, who, 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 who was who... that now? I can't... I... I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember it well. It wasn't It um, wasn't Stephen. Well, Steve Lane, was it? No, it nah. definitely wasn't Steve. But, uh, yeah, it was It was not, not that long ago, one of the recent podcasts, if I'm honest with you. But, yeah, that's unfortunately us as humans. Um, that's, uh, that's how selfish we are. We expect to, uh, you know, smash through uh, habitat, build houses, and then complain about the animals yeah. that lived there before us. If whilst, they, 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 how dare they come back to their yeah. own habitat? Whilst we're yeah. on the topic of destruction, um, there's something you wanted to talk about earlier, Mike. It might be quite an apt time to talk about that now. Oh, mate, I'm going to cry again if I start talking about it. I'll, uh, have I'll, you, I'll... <laughs> Craig, have you, have you watched the new Attenborough film, Craig? Is... I, was, I was just about to say, I haven't watched it as yet. However, it is literally lined up on my TV, so that is going to be watched tonight. I've been so busy with work myself that I've not had a chance to watch it, so it's, oh, okay. it's, it's very high on the list. So, like I say, it's, it's up and it's ready to go for, so let's, for later on. So let's not just, just um, talk about exact details, because I don't want to ruin it for you, because it, it's amazing. Um, but... Everybody dies. 
Yeah, but, but, but basically, we all die. Yeah. Um, and that's not far yeah. from the truth, to be honest, Mike. Um, yeah. Do you know what? I, uh, I, I've put a big post on Facebook, and I should imagine a lot of people would have seen it by the time this comes out. I will repost it. I'll reshare it to, to our podcast page. But um, it was heartbreaking. I actually, for the first time in my life, and and you know I've sort of like how much I've followed David Attenborough, you know, it's been a massive part of my life and my family's life. And, you know, when I was a kid growing up with my family who I lived with then, um, it was it was it was a massive massive sort of like person to all of us and uh, uh it's the first time i've ever seen him sort of like nearly sort of like shed a tear he looked absolutely like not broken but heartbroken a little bit I think, and he i think he's seen it as he's seen it from the start and he's come to the point now where you know what i'm fair play to the bloke from the start, he's been saying we need to do something. He's always way said, before, like years and years ago, saying this is going to be a big problem, and nobody listened to him. And and yeah, like, yeah, 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 he went up onto was it Glastonbury? Went onto the stage, and yeah. all of a sudden, everyone's conscious of plastic, and everyone was listening to David Attenborough, and it was all fantastic. But unfortunately, we're like goldfish; we forget. Yeah, and we're back yeah, into old habits and. I think the reason what, what he's doing now is brought out this film, he's now getting himself on social media. And we have completely screwed up. And we can't blame the current generation. We can't blame, you know, generations in the past or before even them. It's a collective thing. We all need is, to start yeah. being more responsible. You know, it's if you look at it's not just the meat industry, it's not just the commercialization of the cattle and the chickens, it's not helping. We are greedy. I'm greedy. It's everything. It's, it's... Yeah, I am. I am absolutely. You know, here's me, and and I've had a real hard look at myself watching that, and I'm going, there's me going. You know, you know, I love nature, and I do my best for nature. But on the flip side of it, you know, me and Sam, I've got a car each. I, I because I could afford one, I got a sort of like a high, um, sort of like uh, high, sort of like profile car. I don't need that, you know. Um, it's not good for the yeah. environment. That has got to go. Um, we've got, you know, you, you, everybody seems to have sort of like two or three tellies around the house. It's just become the norm to have all these things that that we don't re- necessarily need, do yeah, we? Yeah, and I think as well, it's just like I really try not to do it now. I drink a lot of water whilst I'm at work, and I've I've now got a dedicated water bottle which I can refill and reuse multiple times. Yet for for years I was buying a bottle of water every day and putting it in the yeah. bin. And yeah. Then, and the next day another bottle of water and putting it in, in the bin. You know, like what what are we doing? This is the problem. You know, there's there's that much. Everything's convenient, and whilst yeah, you know what, it is easier. It does make life more simple. But unfortunately, if we continue this way, and like David Attenborough says, there isn't going to be a future, and it's a sim- yeah. it's as simple as that. But if we think, all make the issue as Go well on, as the fact that I think the issue is as well there's you know the public these days they're generally very disassociated from uh, nature and wildlife to the point where you know as you said we've, we take all this stuff for granted and no one really well or very little in the way that people will actually just sort of just stop go out, learn a little bit about what's out. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying to the level that where, like, say, ecologists and proper conservationists are, but go out and appreciate and just respect it. 
don't let mm-hmm. uh, you know, and again you know things like reusable uh, water bottles as you were saying uh, as you were saying there things like that and try and reduce your journey yeah. times down as well in your cars things like that i mean my idea i'm I saying think, that and i'm having to travel around the country <laughs> I, th- I think yeah. the thing that got me the most was he went through like a timeline of like what he's going to expect and what's predicted to happen over the next so many years and I think it was 2030 or 2031, the country will be too warm to produce the amount of food that we all need to live, which will be, yep. end up in global starvation and that kind of thing. And then mm. you, you kind of go, nah, that ain't going to happen. But if you look in Africa, where it is really hot and it is really dry, they, and, there's, yeah. and there's been that shift of rain where they can't fertilise the crops and, and you know water them, that's already happening there. If that starts yeah. happening across Europe, mainland Europe, or even in parts oh. of America, it's game over, and, and it's and, already and the happening. Is, there's a lot of things that are happening that aren't necessarily having an impact on us now, but with them all together. So let's put the you know the ice caps that are actually reflect the sunlight back, so that it keeps the. Uh, the the uh, world at a lower temperature. Those are starting to melt. With that, um, and then there's there's methane that's going to be released into the air because certain things are melting, which will also speed things up. Uh, we're losing uh, forests, so we're not producing enough oxygen. Uh, when it, we and and you know the, the seas co- are yeah, being the, depleted. The corals are dying. The corals yeah. are dying. All that literally accelerates. So although. We go, okay, yeah, it is happening now and we're fully aware of it and we're going to do something about it. We think, oh, actually, it's going to be okay because it's going to be, you know, another, let's say another 30 years. But the problem is in 30 years, it's going to ramp. And then what happened over the last 30 years is going to happen again twice as fast in five years. And then it will be in two years and then one year. So in 100 years, we could actually make ourselves extinct. Well, to be fair, I mean, we are already in a mass extinction event. Um, I can't remember the number exactly, but I know that every week around the world there are species going extinct every single week at the moment. Um, and which, you know, when you actually hear it like that, you know, that's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's the thing. Climate change is something which it, all, it always happens. It naturally occurs. That's why you have ice ages and warm spells and so on. However, the issue is, that should take over hundreds of thousands of years, by which point all the species on Earth managed to evolve, to adapt to these conditions. What we've done in about 50, 60 years is the equivalent of 100,000 years' worth of change. Yeah. So it's just no time for anything to adapt, and that is you know, it's purely down to us. But also, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a very British thing to sort of be like, oh, it's fine, it's not going to happen to us. We just sort of brush it off. It's like, yeah, it'll be fine. It won't happen to me. Well, it, won't, it won't affect yes. me. And it's just like, well, it will. A, t- a typical, it will. typical example of that kind of attitude is when all this um, <clears throat> 19, can't say the word, um, started. I was like, right, okay, I reckon we're going to go into lockdown in the next week or so. And my gaffer mm-hmm. laughed at me and went, that's never going to happen. You think the English government's going to do that? And I was like, mm-hmm. well, most of the other European countries are, are already there. You know, most of the world is already there. Now, it won't happen to us. How would we survive? Well, if yeah, we yeah. don't do it, we're not going to survive anyway. Yeah. So, you know, and look at, uh, it, look at it now, you know, we've all relaxed and the world's gone yeah, to Yeah, things pot. are starting to tighten down. So, and yeah. again, you know, up, up here where I am, you know, things like restrictions are getting tightened again up, up by me, so... 
Um, yeah. Just, just, just going back to what you just said, Craig, about sort of like about extinction. Um, Ambrose yeah. put a, a comment after I'd sort of like posted about watching it, and he put, "If you haven't already, check out Attenborough's Extinction, Extinction fa uh, the Facts too. It's brutally honest and yeah. shows the impact a lot more. In a year, we went up by." 16,118 species threatened with extinct, extinction to 16,306 animals yeah. and plants included. Yeah. That's it's, just it's, mental it's, in a year. Yeah. I say it just had, you know, you know, considering, you know, that's just, you know, that's just the UK, isn't it, I believe? Or was that, yeah. uh, or was that worldwide? But yeah, uh, that's just the UK. But if, so if you consider that and think that, yeah, actually worldwide, like I said, you know, we are losing species every single week. You know, you sort of go, holy, holy crap! That you know, that you know, that's significant, and it's downright terrifying. And it just yeah. has to, it has to change. It has to change. We all have to change. Um, okay. Myself so, included. You know, I mean, I, I'm trying my best. Uh, my, my my garden is now, you know, it's totally wildlife orientated. So I've got ponds in there. I've got wild, um, I've got log piles. I, uh, I've got bat boxes, see, boxes. See, I, I, I like this guy because really what he's done he's just let his garden go right <laughs> and he's and he's and he's and the hipster in him's coming out and going yeah but it's all nature man like yeah but to, but to be fair to be fair it is a good way of going because i mean a lot of people you know things like dandelions and the grass people see that as a weed it's like no just leave it because that's a fantastic yeah. pollinator you know Nettles, so he's, nettles, look what, you know, nettles, uh, butterflies will will lay their caterpillars on nettles. Obviously, all that. There's, there's a book, um, Craig, I don't know if you've read it. It's um, The Return of Nature to a British Farm called Wilding. Wilding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that is exactly the, they, they, they farm half the land and the other half, they've let it sort of like go back um, to, to nature and just yeah, let that, it. That's something which should be, you know, yeah, that should be something which is yeah. implemented around the UK really whole yeah. farms. I mean, even ourselves in all of our gardens, it doesn't take a lot to sort of even help nature a little bit. So I mean all, all it takes is, you know, you could have a, a little corner or even like a meter strip, let grow wild or plant some wild native wildflowers. Yeah. That that alone has a massive effect. Uh, you know, you're increasing the population of bees and other, uh, you know, good pollinators. Instead, yeah. And so increasing the biodiversity in the area. Yeah. So here's a question for you. So obviously we've been talking about like the global warming and and you know being more um, eco friendly and that kind of thing. So how does this reflect in with your? Kind of sick of North North East Internet not working again. Oh, wind it, wind it, wind it quicker, 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 quicker. <laughs> yeah, there we so, go, there we go. There we go, oh, the yeah. catch up. <laughs> right, so talking about this, how does this affect your work as well? And have you seen any kind of like chat? I know you've not been doing it for like multiple, multiple years, but looking back on data, can you see a significant difference in populations and in, in uh, environmental study with, with, you know, this crisis as well? Um. It's funny one that because I don't really think I've, I've been t t long enough to sort of understand. But when you when you when you're involved, you do find you've got a big network of people, people who've been some. So you end up speaking to some people who've been in the field for a very long time. And then when you look at like some studies from years ago, um, you can see what, what might be a good day for me out about finding certain species. You think, crap! Look at how many they used to find just 20 years ago. Um, 
you've that's where you sort of you, you get a bit of a reality check sort of seeing you know the, the, the actual decline in in certain species so again uh, the northeast is a good example of this when it comes to grass snakes so the last record record of a grass snake confirmed one was by a guy called john durkin who was and that was i believe late 90s or early 2000s since then there's not been any confirmed sightings uh, in the northeast of england and like i said that covers from the scotch borders down to north yorkshire which you know that's sad i'd love to see them back again i mean in fact we are probably we are potentially going to look at another reintroduction get them back up here but yeah, that that's just a quick, a good, quick example for you. To, you know, it's, the difference. It's not that uh, prime. Um, to be honest with you, where where me and Hoss live in in Warwickshire, although there's adders in the area in the West Midlands area, but in Warwickshire itself, where we mm-hmm. live, um, I think the last reported adder in Warwickshire yeah, and, was in the seventies, yeah, wasn't it? According to, I've lost you again. Sorry. Uh, wind the According to the according to the science boffins, they're endemically extinct in Warwickshire. Yeah. Um, Others is, are. Right? This is Craig. Um, I think it was 1970 something when there was uh, a last sort of like proper um, known sighting and or I proper idea of an adder in Warwickshire where where we both live. And that, that you know what that yeah. that might be the case, but and again, how do we know that? Because the amount of people that go out or if someone saw an adder, they wouldn't go. Oh, I'm going to report that. They just ignore it. Um, you know. Yeah. So I think more and more people. Do need to be doing things like what you are doing, um, and it's a really difficult thing because if there are adders out there in small populations, we don't need, and they do not need, loads of people trampling all over them and, and disturbing no. them. But at the same time, yeah. I think if we're not actively looking for them in these areas because we think, well, they're not there anyway, what's the point? And um, you know, perhaps yeah. they are. We, we, I don't know. It'd be, I would absolutely wet myself if I went into Sutton Park and saw an adder. <laughs> I've been looking, yeah, mate. Well, it's like I've been in Northeast. If I found a grass snake in Northumberland, you know, I'd probably do a, a proper little happy dance. You'd probably hear me singing from from down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I'd be absolutely over the moon to see a grass yeah. snake up here. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, just the thing, like, um, you know, years ago before we had like, iPhones, apps, and stuff like that. Recording like findings, I can understand why some people wouldn't to, to a certain extent because it was sort of quite complex. You'd have to sort of make sure you've got your notepad with you and write it all down. You've got to find out all the addresses to send it all off to. These days, though, even if you've got the slightest little bit of interest in nature, it's extremely, it's so, so easy just to, to record what you see. Um, there's a couple of apps. So iNaturalist is a good one for the UK. Um, it's a free app, you download it, and you can, yeah, you go out and, and you, all you do is if you see something, even if you're not 100% sure, uh, sure what it is, you can take a picture on your phone yeah, um, and you just upload it with what you think it is. It gets verified by someone else who says, actually, it's this species and they change it to that. And the good thing about it as well is you can obscure the location, so sensitive species such as that such as adders, you know, yeah. which are, you know, very, very sensitive to disturbance. Um, among other animals, you know, goshawks, you don't want goshawk uh, locations, they're known, so um, obscure that, things like that. 
you've, you've got so, the option to do that. that. Oh, that's really good, because that was the one thing I was going to ask is, you know, when you put all this information through, obviously the people the other end want to know that location so they can sort of like jot it down and record it, but you don't want it going out to the general public. So the fact that you can obscure yeah. that is uh, is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and those records, uh, for the job which I do, they are so, so, so important. I can't stress how important records are. The more records we've got, the better, because it means we get a really clear idea as to what is in the area, and in which, in which case, you know, we can do what we can to protect it. And if we do have to, say, move it for whatever reason, all the proper mitigations in there, and we can do the absolute best we can to make sure that all the species are safeguarded. So records, records, records. And annoyingly, a lot of photographers, I've noticed when I've been out speaking to them, not a lot will actually record the sightings. So I'm always saying, you can please download this app. Download this app, record anything you see. If you don't want people to know about it, because as you know, some species where when you've got um, a, a lot of photographers, once they find some things there, they'll show up in the droves. Yeah, you don't so want them a lot of people don't up, like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, look at the the Peak District with uh, the bearded vulture, for example, yeah. just flying around there. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I've heard stories that just like showing up. And, you know, they'll be chasing the thing around and stressing it. And, again, that's, that's disturbance, which is unfortunate. People are really, these people are obviously keen on the wildlife. They just don't necessarily understand that you're actually, you know, potentially causing damage. Yeah. Craig, <laughs> so, can you do me a favour? Yes. Yeah, if you take your shoes off and you get direct, you know, you're directly on the pedals then. So when you pedal a bit quicker, <laughs> right, you'll, you'll get a bit more traction, mate. You're slipping out a bit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's for signal in my area. Um, I am, That's I am all right, mate. sticks a bit. That's fine. Uh, That's fine. But, <laughs> yeah. So, Craig, we've we've I suppose we've talked quite a lot. Yeah, about we've, sort of like... we're at an hour now, so we've not got too long left. <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit more about sort of like what Craig actually does his interest in reptiles um craig i know you've sort of like haven't got a, a big collection your love for reptiles he's seen them out in the wild but you, did have you have you had a, a have, you, have you had any sort of like pet reptiles in in the past yeah i mean i've still got my uh, my corn snake uh, medusa and uh, she's 10 year old now and she's a pretty big girl for, for a corn snake oh that's uh, nice to get uh, is, is she is she tick you what, sorry? Is she tick? I don't understand that. <laughs> what do you mean? Is she, no, I don't. Is she, I don't. Thi- is she thick? Oh, right. All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is she I'm a big down girl? With the kids, of course. So. Yeah, she's, she's a big girl. Yeah, she, but she's lovely. And you know what? She's a really good ambassador for reptiles as well because on certain times when I've had to go out and do talks and so on, I, I tend to bring her along because... Yeah, she's just so placid. Yeah, I, I have 100% trust in her. I know, well, that's a typical corn snake, really, isn't it? Um, they can be handled by kids, obviously, under supervision and other people. And it helps people get over that fear because they've got that bit of interaction as well. But I also try and link it in with, like, some of the stuff which I see in the wild. So, of course, as you know, corn snake, it's colubrid. And I tie that in with grass snakes because, again, they're a colubrid. So I'll say, you know, they're slightly... I go on and show them pictures of grass snakes and adders and so on like that. So, so yeah, she's a really good ambassador. Um, but yeah, she's ten year old now and she's yeah, she's going strong and feeding like an absolute machine. <laughs> well, okay, so um, you got to have some stories and stuff, obviously from your observations and things that you've you've came across. 
Um, so is there anything that has kind of like stood out a little bit, you know, during your studies? Um, yeah, I've been very fortunate that um, I've managed to study a, a particular site uh, up in Northumberland where I've got I've built up a good picture of like most of the individuals on there. And I'm still finding the occasional new individual, which is really nice. But there's a couple of um, there's a couple of added in particular um, who sort of stand out to me. Uh, they're mostly the males on there because. I'd, I'd love to see what's going on genetically um, on, on here because all the males look so unique uh, in their coloration and, and so on, but you can identify them without even having to look at the head scales and all the scientific stuff. You were um, saying some of the colours are totally different. I mean, I know um, yeah. I've seen, I've, I've, I haven't never seen them myself, but I've seen pictures of sort of like black adders and, yeah. and some obviously uh, the sun with like a blue coloration. Yeah, Craig. well, funny enough, the two largest males on my site I've nicknamed Blue and Blackadder. Uh, Blackadder isn't actually melanistic, which is, you know, that's where it's, as, as you know, it's the, the gene which um, has basically, how can I put it? Um, it makes them totally black, baby. Yeah, all of the colours. Yeah. All yeah. the other colours in the genes have, have, have sort of like gone, and it's all totally black, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's not he's not melanistic, but it's definitely got to be some partial melanism in there because he is about eighty percent black, and he's the only one on there who sort of looks that way. Um, and yeah, he's fantastic. He's called Blackadder for that reason, and not just that, but interestingly enough, he tends to disappear every couple of years. Hence, Blackadder goes forth. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so he's very well suited to the name. But I've I've noticed a few interesting behaviours. So myself and another person based in there in Dorset, who's a really nice bloke called uh, Nick Dobbs, we talk quite regular about some of the behaviours we see. And we wonder if with adders, there's actually a little bit more of a social side than people realise. Um, it's something which I think we really need to get a PhD student involved with to, to research properly. So if there's anyone out there who is doing that, please get in touch with either me or Nick, because we'd love to look into this further. Um, what backs this up is we think that when it comes to mating season, possibly certain males who sort of share high vernacular have almost like some sort of recognition for other adders within there and they might not actually fight with them. So mating season comes and adders will do what's known as the adder dance, well, the males mm-hmm. will, and it's basically, it's like a wrestling match, essentially. They will wrap around each other and wrestle to force each other down to the ground. Um, the winner gets mating rights. Um, it's a height and height and power thing, isn't it? Who can it get is. the highest and who can push the other one over? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we wonder if, well, what we've seen, or what I've seen, and Nick's noticed similar behaviour previously, was um, was it last year or the year before? Uh, quite recently, let's say, I noticed, um, I was sat observing, and there's one corner where, when it comes to mating season, a lot of adders from my site tend to sort of congregate, and there's the one female, and I noticed it was Blue, who's the other large male, he also shares a high vernacular with Blackadder. He was uh, busy ha- ha- having his end away with, with this female. Who was? <laughs> this is the, the Blackadder. No, Blackadder was coming in to, to, okay. to try and have a go. Well, it's like an adder, so, adder threesome kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's what happens, doesn't it, yeah, in, the, in, the, in the animal world? Basically, All the yeah, males but, will try and jump on the female. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, grass snakes are brutal because they're just 
in a big bowl, basically. And just like, right, don't it doesn't matter. Let's have at it. Let's have at it. <laughs> <laughs> you just find these big balls of grass snakes floating around. Like grass snake um, orgies, well. Basically. But um, on this site, something which hasn't been seen very often and sort of makes me, uh, again, makes us think there's almost a social side. There was a moment when Blackadder came in to do where Blue and this female were basically having off. And, um, yeah, there was definitely a moment of recognition. And I'm sitting there thinking, again, I'm going to see combat because I'd seen it before very briefly, but I'd never had a chance to photograph it. And, yeah, they had this moment. And Blackadder, who is the bigger male, he's the biggest male, he's the most... Easily yeah, he's the dominant one. sort of like he, male. He, he, he's, he's the big lad, basically. He backed down and literally moved only a couple of metres away, curled up and just sat and waited. And then went, Honestly? And then went, yeah, just sat and waited and blue moved off and then in came Blackadder. I wonder... Almost like tag team. So thinking out loud here, I wonder if, you know you're saying he's not melanistic... But genetically, there might be some, there's obviously something going on. There's obviously th- something going on with the blue adder. I wonder yeah. if that's his son. Well, that, 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 that's the thing. Oh, no. I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking, like, now you sound like father and son sharing like, this, a well, woman. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, if you were away on holiday, mate, <laughs> you're, you're single, you're away on holiday, yeah. you're, you're the dominant male, and then um, your son steps in, you go, go on, lad, you go and have I'm, your way. I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm proud of you. Go on, son. I'm, I'm not accepting or happy about the thought of having my dad's sloppy seconds. Yeah, <laughs> that's, no, that's no. The... <laughs> Your dad's having your sloppy seconds. That's the I, thing. I don't, is, that, is that worse? I don't, I don't even... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but in the in the animal world, mate, it's um. Well, well, I, I but again, going back into David Attenborough just for a second, and not to use you to make you sound stupid at all, Mike. But but in the animal world, we are the animal world. And I I, that, I understand yeah, that. But, but just use that as a as, as a perspective, like we need to be treating ourselves as animal world and listening to Mike's granddad because we're all shit. Carry on, carry on. No, but that that was just just as you were saying that then, uh, Craig, I just thought, I wonder if there is something in that where, okay, if that was a different male um, and it wasn't sort of like a family member, no, say family member, but, you know, uh, whether he would have reacted different or is it because maybe it's one of his, one of his offspring well, this is the thing. I, we don't. This is the thing. We, we we don't really know, to be honest. I mean, I I don't think it's down to like that sort of social side of things. You know, I've, um, I wonder if it's more like there's more of a hierarchy. Okay. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe previously, you know, they've shared a high vernacular because yeah, those two tend to always stay in the same high vernacular with each other over the winter. Um, and yeah, I wonder if it is more like yeah. Previous previous year or something, Blues won, and he yeah. just sort of went right. I'm going to stand back. In which case, there's a clear hierarchy there, and it's a bit more of a social behaviour than people realise. Mm-hmm. This is all just speculation, of course. I mean, there's no actual scientific data to prove it. It's just a, a very interesting observation, and I believe Nick has seen something quite similar as well. Right. Wow. Um, but yeah, it's it's something I would definitely like to look into. I'd love to get someone to have a look at the genetics on this site as well. Because all the female adders are very sort of 
like uniform classic female adder look, you know, quite quite sort of pale looking, very very big, but like green or brown looking. Mm-hmm. And the only real way to sort of identify them um, is to get a picture of the head, head and cat, yeah. yeah, look at the head scale. So yeah, that is for anybody who doesn't know about adders, that is how you identify them. The top of the heads, the scalation is. Um, unique it's like it's yeah fingerprints like, yeah, finger yeah so yeah so basically you need to look at that and there's a certain calculation you do um but uh, all my all my males have all got really distinct characteristics i mean normally this blue color on others normally sticks around immediately post shed blue tends to keep this all the way up until the end of the year when you start going dull and gets ready to go back into hibernation wow. so you know that's why i got this that, that name, he's the only one on there like that. And Incredible. I do notice of the males who have particular sort of patterns, patterns on the back or a certain way the zigzag is, which is very similar to another adder. And it's just, yeah, there's, there's got to be, yeah, I'd love, yeah, anybody who wants to do any sort of genetic work, <laughs> give us a give us a shout. I've got a really interesting site for you. It'd be loved. It'd be lovely to know to see if there is any connection, um, relationship-wise, you know, genetically with 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 the black and the blue, um, you know, and that could also open up to another load of th- uh, explanations about you know the black adders, the melanistics, oh. or you know that 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 sort of like genetic side where you're getting different variations from that as as they go further down the line. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. Adders, again, uh, for a species in the UK, they're often vilified, you know, for you know, and so on. But no one really knows that much about them. Um, we, we've got there's a lot of photographers out there and a lot of people who have studied them for a number of years, but have never really sort of gone into behaviours. It's more just looking at the site and saying, well, here's this individual, here's this individual, yeah, and here's where they've moved cool. to. I'd love, you know, to see a bit more in the way of behaviour. Um, sort of studies because that way we can understand them more and we can go towards protecting them a bit better definitely yeah. okay. so if there are people out there that do want to get in touch to aid you with this kind of work or are just generally interested in getting involved um what's the best way for them to approach that um it's an interesting one because like if there's a few people who you could contact um regarding um PhDs and this sort of stuff. So um, you can contact uh, loads of wildlife trusts themselves, or you could uh, contact people like Steve Elaine. Steve Elaine does a lot more. His his career is more scientific study, whereas mine is ecology and yeah. general sort of protection of habitat. So garden wildlife health is another good one as well. Or you could contact um, Angela Julian, who runs. Uh, she's a head of UK as well. Um, or you could just get get onto Facebook and search for uh, for UK Reptile and Amphibian Group. Get on there and ask the question. Mention you're you're a PhD student and you uh, well you want to go into studying like genetics or further behaviours in reptiles and amphibians. And uh, yeah, on there I'm sure someone would certainly snap you up within a heartbeat. Well, it'd probably be cool, Craig, if you could give us some of the links of what that you just mentioned, and what we'll do when we put your post out, we'll include them out. Um, when we when we put the podcast out, we can include the links in the uh, in the post, can't we, mate? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, another another site as well. When I mentioned about recording, there is a, a specific site where you go onto, and it goes direct to our UK. Um, which records specifically our reptiles and our amphibians. And this includes the non-natives as well. So there are a few non-native species which do live within the UK as well. Yeah. Um, 
but this website is called the Record Pool, so you can either Google that or it's recordpool.org.uk. Um, get on there if you find any frogs, toads, newts, um, Be- snakes, lizards. Beavers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beavers. <laughs> I, actually, actually, no, no. If you see a beaver, don't tell them. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I might well, I might hopefully see some in the next couple of weeks. Because don't, don't, I am, no, yeah, no. I am hoping to get up no, to the Highlands. No, no, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I'll make sure I post on my Instagram. Right, on Instagram. Right, I'm going to take us to the River Otter to see the beavers. No, 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 no. Right, on Instagram. If you find a beaver and you put it on the social media, and my eyes wander across it, <laughs> your guitar is going so far up your. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I suppose that's about it for this week on Reptile and Chill. Oh, it's been quite it's, interesting this week. Yeah, um, there's so, so much more we could go into. And I think we should get Craig back on at some point and we'll go into even more details. If there is anything that you would like us to talk about with Craig or any questions that you do have, fire him our way and we'll get him back on to, to answer those as well. Uh, yeah, and, uh, no, yeah, so thanks for having us on as well. You know, that, that's cracking, and I'd, I'd love to come back on it as well in future. So, oh, mate, 100%. Definitely. 100%. Before you come back on, though, we're coming up to Northumberland because the wildlife up there is amazing. So, we'd love to come up and uh, we'll you, check my, that I'm not out. being funny, oh, right? But, Mike, if you go up there, they're going to actually think Bigfoot exists. <laughs> I don't know, there's some very strange people up here, that's for certain. <laughs> right, so, I love it on the northeast, man. So I suppose I that is it. Um you know where that to is fl- it. That is it. I got no other words. I can't describe yeah. how, how how much of a cool guy and that hipster Craig is. Um so if you do wanna <laughs> make you, hipster. Hip start. <laughs> so obviously, I spoke about earlier where you can find all of our merchandise, Patreon, and all that. Our Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube is at the handle of Reptile and Chill. And if you do want to get involved in our community and get part of, you know, and get involved with the discussions, if you go onto Facebook and type in Reptile and Chill Community Group, hit join, and we'll accept you in. That is about it for this week. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Reptile and Chill. And until then, Craig. Watch David Attenborough, A Life in Our Planet, and, now. Yeah. And, and, yeah, that, and, is, that, is, that is actually on my screen right now, and once I get off, I'm going to be pressing play. Okay, and, <laughs> and, and Craig? Yep. Love you, bye. Yeah, love you. Love you, bye. And I'll, I'll, yeah, let me know when you come up and, from and Poland. Your, and your family would say, ta-da a bit. Yeah, ta-da for a bit. Right. See you later. Craig, lovely to meet you, mate.